So I just thought about the physical proximity, the philosophical proximity, and even the personal proximity that helps us to create and build community, or at least recognize what we have in common with others. And that kind of leads to the differences that we now experience, even the statistic that you shared of only having two friends versus three and a half. I don't know how many years apart this study was or how these numbers or statistics came about. But I could imagine that it has a lot more to do with the interferences or barriers to building common connections with people and groups and organizations because the physical proximity piece is totally different. You're listening to the Experience Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Ajene Gaylord, and I endeavor to educate, encourage, and empower women to embrace emotional healing and eradicate the stigma of mental health in the body of Christ. On this episode, Michelle and I begin our conversation about building community and connection. Later on in the episode, you'll hear me share what I call the three P's of community. So stay tuned. I believe a few, I don't know if we were talking about this earlier in the summer or at some point we started discussing just between us the concept of community. You have been sharing with me some things that you were doing, even within your own neighborhood with your neighbors, um, some community uh, interactions you were having by serving in a, a mother's uh, ministry type of organization and just being more mindful about that, your own journey to seeking mentors, coaches, you know, people to support and help being a mother, a wife, five children, home educating, like really having to be intentional about community. So I guess that's really where I want to begin is what is community? How can we be intentional about building community? What are some of those barriers? And then why do we find ourselves feeling lonely, even if we're around people? So I know there's a lot of questions, but start wherever you want to and just, uh, we can just go from there. Yeah. Um, as you ask that question, I'm like, that's a great question to ask. What is community? And I think that that could be different things for different people. And part of my journey on pondering this topic, being the lifelong learner that I am, was getting some books out from the library. And oftentimes I'll read a little and then decide, okay, am I going to continue on in this book or not? But uh, one book that has been a little bit of a jumping off point for me is a book called Them by Ben Sass, who is a senator. I know he's about to leave the Senate, but uh, it's Them, Why We Hate Each Other and How to Heal. And in there, he talks a lot about happiness and loneliness and community and what we've had in the past and how we don't really have that anymore and how we as a society are going to have to decide how to get back to that place of community. And so there's just a few notes here that I have written down that could be kind of jumping off points. I think taking 
into account the broader context of kind of what is going on, which feels like a history lesson going back, right? How how did our grandparents and great-grandparents and people in the past seem to have strong community, or at least that's what it feels like, that with, we could be making this up in our minds, I think. We could be... Um, kind of looking at with rose-colored glasses, I think, to a certain degree and thinking like, yeah, they all lived really close to one another and they could just go over and borrow a cup of flour or whatever. But so he says, we're the richest, most comfortable, most connected people in human history. And yet in the midst of extraordinary prosperity, we're also living through a crisis. Our communities are collapsing and people are feeling more isolated, adrift, and purposeless than ever before. So some of that has to do with the fact that we are so mobile as a society. And so I was thinking about that in the context of my own life and my husband and I and our journey. When we first got married, we lived about three hours away from our family. He got a job there shortly before we got married, and we figure, okay, it'll give us a little space. Mm -hmm. I was a first child just to kind of that break away from parents type of thing. And so that was my first, maybe besides college. In college, I feel like I was part of a community because I joined Uh, a faith community on campus. And so I think that that was really good. I would not have wanted to go through college without that faith community. So, you know, that's an example. But then just thinking through in each person's own life, where they are going to find community, what, where are possible places where I would have something in common with the people that are around me. Mm -hmm. And so when we moved there, he, of course, had his job and I didn't have a job yet. And so we were looking for a church. That's always the first place where we try to look when we move to a new place for community as a church family. So we did start doing that, um, but we didn't live there super long. Once we got married, we were there maybe a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so those friendships that I was trying so hard to cultivate and I was looking for somebody who would be older than me to kind of mentor me, you know, as a new wife and how to be a wife and everything. It was as if there wasn't enough time there. And so I think that that piece of time is really important Mm -hmm. because as a society, there's so much where it's microwave mentality that, you know, all of a sudden something just snap your fingers and, oh, you have, you know, instant friendships, instant community, instant relationships. And I think that it's with the perspective of now being in my 40s, living through my 20s and 30s and seeing how it has taken time to develop friendships. And it is a very intentional thing in my experience that you you make time for the people that are important to you, for the things that are important to you. And so we kind of jumping back, we moved away from that first community and then 
we actually were in a different state, but closer to our family. So we were able to go home maybe a little bit easier. I think we were about an hour and a half away instead of three hours. So still had a little bit of distance. And then again, trying to find a, a church community. We were getting a little planted there and we had our first child there. Um, I got a job worked two years at a Hebrew Academy and even that trying to navigate the, what type of relationships will I have in a work context? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking here I am the young teacher. Many of the other teachers were considerably older than I was at least 10, 20, maybe even 30 years older than me. And thinking, oh, they'll take me under their wing. They'll really show me the ropes and help me to get acclimated. And that was not my experience at all. It, it, it did feel very lonely in my teaching. It was kind of like me and the students. Mm -hmm. um, and which I've not reflected on that in a while, but just kind of taking this as kind of a step by step and and the different tries that I had at, at community, right? I think that by doing that, that might show um, the different ways, the different places that you can cultivate community. So we had our baby. And so then I was going to be a stay at home mom all of a sudden, you know, the new journey of motherhood. And our son was maybe about 10 months old when we moved across the country all the way to the West Coast. And from part of me was thinking, sorry, from the Midwest, from to the, the Midwest to the West coast. Yeah. Like 2000 miles or so. And there's definitely part of me that was thinking, I think at this point, my husband and I were around 30 ish. He had, he had just turned 30 when we moved. So, okay, this great adventure and we know nobody. And literally we knew one couple and that was a very distant, we, we became friends with them as we were out there, although they didn't live close to where we lived. So, you know, it wasn't very often, but again, it was kind of like starting from scratch to a degree and in a way, why are we out here? But again, I had one child and we soon had two and then three and then four. And so we did get that church community piece which I'm super grateful for. I mean, one of my great friends to this day is from that time. She had twin girls that were about three months older than our oldest. And we kind of went back and forth having kids. And so she landed at five and we landed at five shortly after they had their fifth. So the church piece was established. And I remember at that time, I reached out to the broader community in that, yes, church was going to be important, but I also wanted to explore motherhood with other women. And so I reached out to the city's mother group, right? So they would have meetups at Erks and different things like that, but these were not church people. And so I felt in that way, I would get to know other people because to me, sharing my faith is a very relational thing. As much want to share it with a stranger who doesn't know who I am and may just think that I'm sharing the gospel with them to get a notch on my belt or whatever. Um, so I thought I would, you know, establish some relationships with people. And so 
that was great for a while. And then everybody, their kids started going to preschool and then their kids started going to kindergarten and everything. And I think we moved cities. Yeah. So we had started an apartment and then we got a house. And so we had moved cities. And so that has to do with it as well. But just realizing there again is that community piece where what do you have in common with people? I had in common motherhood with these women, but then their kids were going off to school and my children were not going to school. And so then it was, okay, what homeschooling community would I possibly have? Thankfully that one friend from church, she was going to be homeschooling her children as well. And so we would meet for play dates and things like that. And that really felt like I I had written a note to myself, the concept of doing life together, right? And and that's something that I think about, I'm going to jump a little bit, but when I walk my neighborhood, when I see the houses and think who lives in those houses and such, I just think about the fact of if something tragic happened in, in this house, whichever house, would they have somebody to bring them a meal? Would they have somebody's shoulder to cry on? Would they have genuine relationships? And that's another thing that um, in this them book that he talks about that I don't remember the timeframes exactly, but basically the average person used to have maybe three and a half friendships. And now it's down to under two on average, which even that to me seems utterly surprising. Like, how can you live your life with only two friends? That seems very foreign to me. Um, And I don't know if it's because I'm a female. I don't know if it's just kind of how I'm hardwired or or what. But uh, I do think there's an aspect of women that helps to even help the males in our lives to realize, no, you need people. You need people to, to do life with, to bounce ideas off of, to ask questions, to cry with, to laugh with, you know, to share all the, the joys and the struggles and everything. And so actually thinking back when, when we were in Seattle area, I never actually got involved with a homeschool group. I think Mm -hmm. my kids were still, on the younger end and for whatever reason, didn't find a homeschooling group. So it actually wasn't until we came back to Michigan and which that's another thing like, okay, now you're back with family, but even people that I would have known from my high school days, they've moved on with their lives. You know, even if they do live locally, you know, it's been this gap of years. And so that's another aspect that sometimes those friendships are only for a season, you know, it's only high school. You're not going to be lifelong friends necessarily. Like, of course you'll be cordial and such, but maybe they're not in your life for the complete long haul, which to me can be a very sad thought, but we came after we had five children, we're like, Oh, I think it's time to go home now and get some family support. So we did that. And and when we came home, now that my children were starting to get more of school age, more of them were getting to school age, I was like, okay, we, we need some homeschooling community and thankfully found that uh, locally. And so 
another interesting thing about that is that you've got this hub and you've got people coming from all the communities around, right? right? But the commonality is our love of Christ and our love of our children, we choosing to homeschool and all of that. So having those things in common brought us all together. And we did that for several years and, and got some great friendships through that. So that's a little bit of the journey and how it now we are no longer part of that homeschool co-op. And it was prior to COVID that we stepped back. Some of my children expressed not wanting to be in that context, but they still have those friendships with some of the friends that they made during that time. So I'm super grateful for, for that. Well, um, I can jump in because yeah, I wanted to go ahead. So let's think about a working definition of community, because I think all of us have our own internal ideas of what that means. And just looking at a dictionary definition or Googling what it is, it's simplistically just a group of people um, either living in the same place or having particular characteristics in common. And common is that word that is actually the root word to community, um, being that I'm a home educator. I'm all about the suffixes and the meanings and the Latin roots. And um, calm means, you know, um, uh, with. And so common meaning common unity. So that means something that brings us together, um, something of value, attitudes, beliefs, interests, there is a um, a few things that I thought about as you were sharing that kind of came to mind about the different types of community or different expressions of that. And one I heard you describe, especially at the first few years of marriage, was physical proximity. Everything having to do with where you were physically, geographically, where you were located. And just even as uh, we think about our neighborhoods and who who lives next door to us, like that's one level of a type of community. It's just the people that you live around and that are close to you from a physical perspective. But then I thought about philosophical proximity, meaning attitudes, beliefs. Uh, you mentioned faith community. You mentioned finding a church home. You mentioned finding a mom's group. Just philosophy being something that aligns people together, being a home educator, looking for people who also wanted to home educate, but then also being intentional about being in, in groups or in environments that did not necessarily match what, where you were as far as your philosophy, but you wanted to be able to make deeper connections and have an opportunity to build relationships outside of what was familiar to you, which I think is important in building community. And then the other piece I really heard from you was personal proximity, being what you, where you were in life, being a mom, having your first baby, um, being in your, your working environment as a teacher and just wanting to I'm new here. You guys have been doing this forever. Are you going to mentor me, take me under your wing? So just your own personal experiences, your personal station, the season of life you're in, so to speak, because you and I are in the throes of raising children, but we're looking forward to that season ending. Whereas when we look back, we spent more years looking back at having been raising children for many, many years to soon enough, they will be launching 
into adulthood and that season will be over. Our home education season, or at least mine, because my youngest is 14, can you believe it, right. uh, will be ending in the next five years or so. And that seems, you know, important because a lot of my relationships came from that season of being in a community of other people who were educating uh, being around other women like you and myself, our story is through that community is how we met a mutual associate of ours actually brought you to my house. <laughs> yeah, That's how we met. And then we sparked this wonderful relationship. We've been friends ever since. And I imagine lifelong friends. So just being, but we had that in common. As a matter of fact, we also were talking about food and health. That's really why I didn't even know how many children you had until, you know, you came to share because you didn't even bring your children the first time you came. Right. So we didn't even connect over that commonality. We connected over health and food and nutrition, which was a personal uh, aspiration for both of us. So I just thought about the physical proximity, the philosophical proximity, and even the personal proximity that helps us to create and build community, or at least recognize what we have in common with others. And that kind of leads to the differences that we now experience, even the statistic that you shared of only having two friends versus three and a half I don't know how many years apart this study was or how these numbers or statistics came about, but I can imagine that it has a lot more to do with the interferences or barriers to building common connections with people and groups and organizations because the physical proximity piece is totally different. So there's like this beautiful side of a world wide web and access to a global community as far as you can really touch anybody anywhere in the world. But then at the same time, it often creates this other um, dichotomy of isolation, feeling alone, feeling like you can't connect because everything seems so large. Everything feels so global. Whereas physical closeness is one of the first um, places or ways that we recognize community. It's just where we are, where we live, where we physically are. We think about neighborhoods as community. We think about the schools that we went to as community. And most of us, especially in our day, uh, growing up in the 90s, we went to school in the neighborhood. Nowadays, children can go anywhere in their city or town or, or area. They can drive. They can take a bus. Like there's so many other ways where we walk to school. And when you walk mm -hmm. to school, you walked with the friends who were in the neighborhood. And when you played outside, you played outside with friends in the neighborhood. You mentioned very early on in the conversation about being more mobile. Even the church community is not what it once was or even what it was historically because you can get in your car and drive 40 minutes away to go to church versus walking up the street or as in the Bible days, walking within the community that you worked and sitting at table with people and having the, you know, the feasts with them or sitting and breaking bread with them because you were in a walking distance. Even when I look in scripture and I see the early days of Christ and the early days of the church, they physically walked everywhere they went. <laughs> so you weren't going to be going global, but right. a part of that had to do with the spreading of the gospel. The message Jesus left was that the gospel was going to go global. And in order to do that, People had to scatter. People had to migrate. People had to physically find themselves in different geographical places. So I just think about how their community can mean different things within different contexts. And then how do we show up in those different contexts and 
find ourselves unifying or finding unity within those spaces. That's it for this episode. If you want to hear how Michelle responds to my question, tune in to our next episode where we dig even deeper into the three plus one more C of community. The life work for this episode is for you to begin to identify your proximities, whether they're physical, personal, or philosophical, and how you can begin to identify and connect with the community that surrounds you. That's it for this episode. If you have been enjoying listening, please consider sharing and subscribing to the podcast. And until next time, remember, you have been set free to live free. So choose freedom. Freedom.